Welcome to The Real Van City. I am your host, Michael Tranmer. On this podcast, you will hear inspiring stories from Vancouver's top influential leaders on how to achieve authentic business, relationship, and spiritual success. Let's get into it. My mother requests that I do a improved job with introducing the guests so okay. she knows what and mom this is this is for you she's like she's like i want to know like what i'm getting myself into she want to know her, her exact words were i want to know why you chose uh, these people to to sit in the chair okay and so if i were to describe um i was no i was thinking about this earlier i, I was gonna say well i think we've been on a similar path the last few years and i would yeah. say sort of ish i say we've done some similar things the last few years but Mm -hmm. i got a path and you got a path i think um and within that path has been tedx talks and books uh and you do great work in the world leading people on their programs and business coaching and other sorts of coaching Mm -hmm. as well uh yeah i know it's like you're strapped into the to the ride here this tea's so good man i don't want to like miss it on the tea the tea's good keep hitting it it's chamomile (laughs) But mother, I would say Deidre Siriani here, uh, just generally a good person. And we always have good conversations. Yeah. And uh, you're also good at kind of keeping me in my place. Sometimes we've had some of those conversations. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, we're about to have another one, perhaps. <laughs> but no, we laugh a lot. Tell me what's going on, Michael. Okay. What you need? <laughs> well, nothing in this moment. Uh, doing pretty well. But that's, that's who you are. I mean, mm. you courageously put yourself out there i know you're doing some singing and other courageous things right now but in general good person leading other people which is not always easy Mm. courageously being authentic and putting yourself out there especially your tedx talk which i recently rewatched. so if you want to if you want to take a a hint of authenticity and and being courageous that was definitely it how did i do I think you did great. Yeah. I just had a flashback actually to the TEDx where no one really talks about vulnerable, like vulnerability hangovers. And I remember doing the TEDx and my parents were in the center of the room and I could feel their anxiety as I was (laughs) saying it because in my TEDx, it's like, I talk about a big trauma that I had and, you know, the older generation, they're not used to sharing and revealing their traumas and their wounds, they're very much good at like, let's sweep it under the rug. Let's not deal with it. So I just remember there's one point in my TEDx where I was just, I'm I'm super, I feel so much that I could feel my parents' Mm. anxiety as I was talking and I forgot what I was saying on stage. And I just remember like the lights on me. (laughs) I think I saw that. I think I know that part. But it it was like it was an extra long uh, silent. But you came back from it. You remembered. Did the words you said next were they the words that you were supposed to say next? They. I think I. I think I. You know, got back onto the path. Yeah. But what I was told was everyone, people who were at the like in the audience, they're like, "Wow!" Like I was just hanging on what you were saying. I was like, I actually just forgot what I was saying because my parents were watching it in the audience and I was just feeling so much. So it's like, yeah, there's some moments that we don't really talk about as entrepreneurs or leaders that happen behind the scenes before getting to these milestones and also after 
that people don't talk about enough. So I love talking about those pieces because it's good to be mentally prepared for it. And that's, I think that, that was another thing I was thinking about what mm. I was going to tell your mom about Deidre <laughs> over <laughs> here. was Sorry, Michael's mom. <laughs> uh, Joan. Joan. Uh, Joan, nice to meet you. Like you have been a proper entrepreneur for as long as I can remember. Mm. 10 years, the whole time. Like, right? How long yeah, has it been? For, since I was 21, when I was 21, yeah. I started my, so 13 years. Nice. Good yeah. for you. Like that, like that, that takes a, I love being around entrepreneurs, right? And mm. I've, I exist mainly in the other world and the professional world, mm-hmm. but I just love, I mean, this is an entrepreneurial piece right here. And so mm-hmm. is writing and so is books and so is speaking, but people that are fully entrepreneurs. So good on you. Like, like, you. like that, like, what does that take? Cause for those of us who are listening, perhaps have, who have not been entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. You know, if you if you don't go to work one day, whatever, you're sick or something or you're going on a holiday for a week or whatever, your job is ultimately still there when you get back. Mm-hmm. But when you're an entrepreneur, if you're not getting up and if you're not going, nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. So what and, you know, you mentioned before when we were talking that you took some some time off earlier this mm-hmm. year. Is that what was that an element of that kind of resting up to to, to, to get back fully into the entrepreneurial journey or how, how do you see it these days? Yeah. So this is, so I started my first business when I was 21. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just super excited. Yeah. <laughs> and this Sounds is, about right. Which is good. This is like one of my um, greatest strengths is I get really excited about something and then I just put all of the energy into it. And I did that with something that it took me a while to become successful with. It was a yoga business and it was a corporate yoga and personal development wellness business. We go into corporations and all that. And I got my first big client from a cold call because I was so excited. And that client I had for over five years. Nice. And people were asking me, you know, how did you get that big client? Oh, I was just really excited. And it was a cold call. So entrepreneurship, I feel at least for me, when I feel like I'm in flow and I'm doing it properly you said I'm a proper entrepreneur I'm like I don't know what that means but that's yeah. nice that you see me that way is for me it's really just a bit really been about following my excitement and going all in and you know figuring things out as I go like my first business again cold calls a few corporate clients big companies in Vancouver well my business was happening right away but I had no idea what I was doing and then continually using that excitement <clears throat> forward and figuring it out as I go. Hmm. But I wasn't super successful in my first business. Like I had a lot of, I had some really great clients and I had a lot of opportunities, um, but I didn't feel successful. I felt like I was working too much. I felt like I was resentful almost towards my opportunities that I was getting. Hmm. And eventually I shifted. But um, I think that happens because I'm a creative like you. I I see you as a creative. Mm -hmm. And um, but yeah, entrepreneurship for me is just going after what you love, going all in and knowing that excitement is probably like 90 percent of it. If you can get excited about something like there's certain songs that I listen to and affirmations or riffs that I listen to on my phone in the morning that get me pumped. And I'm like, oh, like I can do anything. Mm -hmm. And so I think most of it's mindset and excitement. And then the other piece is like 20 percent grit and strategy. Mm -hmm. So if we can get aligned with our energy and mm. in that flow, I think anything's possible. But I'm honestly, I jumped into it blindly, didn't know what I was doing. I just continued to figure it out. And now I'm here. Yeah. 
Well, when I say proper entrepreneur, I, I no, I, I, it, I think it's, it, no, I'm serious. Very respectful because you yeah. own a place in Kamloops, right? Yeah. So you own a place. You've been, you've been doing your own thing, supporting yourself for for 13 years as a as an entrepreneur. It's it's actually quite quite something. So thank you. Yeah, hope you hope you have a a moment perhaps every now and then and reflect on that. But how do you? Because I know I love creatives, and I'm honored that. <laughs> I appear as one as well, and mm. I accept that. But mm. a lot of a lot of creatives, and I'm kind of thinking specifically about some people I know. They get too excited with the creation, and they don't do that second part that you mentioned with the strategy and the follow through and the mm. grit and the, the the doing, like the boring part or whatever mm. that may be. Yeah. So do you do you ever find yourself? And as you answer this question, I'm gonna go look at something over there and, and come back. So keep talking to me. I'm, I'm still in the house. Okay. But how do you, how do you not get, how do you not like get? and do you see this when people, they get too excited with the creation and, and they just, they, they don't start just focusing and doing the doing. So how do you, how yeah. do you sort of choose what you're excited about and go with it? Okay. This is a, I think this is a dance that I've been playing in for a long time, actually. So the first piece is, I think it's really about having the excitement to move it forward and diving into the creation and also scheduling the time to do the practical things. So I think it's just about scheduling. It sounds so not sexy. It doesn't sound like this big, cool thing that you haven't heard somewhere else. But the reason why I get things done and things move forward is because I just put on my calendar. And so for me, like one of the creative dances that I've been in is I am a creative. I've launched a few different, maybe four different products in this business in the last five or so years, like, you know, flagship products that have done really well. And there's a lot of things I haven't launched yet because I've been in creation mode. I've been in play mode, like behind the scenes where no one's seen me practice on the mic and write songs and write another. I wrote a book like 10 months ago that hasn't come out because it's not the right timing for it yet. So there's like the, there's the, the creativity and jumping into it, but also, you know, paying your bills and fulfilling the things that you need to do in your business to feel confident, to feel good, to be of service, and then prioritizing what you're working on. Because I think for creatives, I think the biggest block that I see within myself and, and the people that I serve is we're doing it all at once. And it's almost like, we're like, oh, shiny opportunity syndrome. And I actually see that as if it's not in a container of, okay, on Saturdays, I'm going to jam and do music, or this month, I'm going to focus on this project and we block things off. If it's not like that, I feel on the soul level, it's a high level way of sabotaging our potential. And then other people who are artists and don't care about business or whatever might say that's bullshit and that's fine. But in like entrepreneurship, that's how I would structure it. So I'll like take time. You know, I went to Costa Rica 10 months ago and I just focused on my second book and that's all I did. And so it's just about blocking it off and not allowing everything to bleed into every day of the week because we can't do everything in one day. Mm-hmm. If we want to feel good about ourselves, or I haven't experienced that fully, you think it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of a, and I'm getting a little better at this. Not not like having a great idea, proclaiming how amazing it's going to be, <laughs> yeah. putting it out there, yeah. 
and then it not happening and kind of feeling and looking stupid. But it's yeah. it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of like an energy leak, right? If, if, oh, if, yeah. it's, it's a huge energy leak. If people get excited and they have a program or they have even they have a thought and they, they they video about it and they write about it and they just blast it all out all, all over the place. And then uh, like nothing happens for the most part or, yeah. or people just kind of get used to seeing this and watching this and like, oh, there's so and so had another thought and, and, <laughs> and it's. And, and it's uh, and the initial expression there is so good. <laughs> uh, I'm an actor, um, but it, it's 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 an energy leak thing. That's a, it's not a bad description for it. I think that's a great description for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's an energy leak, and it's also kind of a way of like giving ourselves away. And yeah, yeah, yeah. so if if you're really like wanting to build or nurture or grow something, we have a rule um, with the like in the containers that I facilitate is like, don't share your baby with the world until it's born and it's on legs and it's been nurtured. Because like the like the worst thing you can do, I mean, the worst thing I did, but I was prepared for it because I was already kind of teaching this in my like programs is like tell your ideas to people when you're not fully solid internally, you don't have a plan and maybe you're a little wobbly. Maybe you still need that internal affirmation. Maybe you haven't shifted your identity at, and the, our identity needs to shift in order to become that next version of whatever we're creating. I know that's been happening with my music, definitely happened with my book. It's happened with everything that I've done. There's always an identity shift. So if I'm telling everyone I'm doing a TEDx talk and I'm nervous and I haven't had it written out or I don't have a plan or I'm not practicing. I'm not in the arena strengthening my muscles, mental, physical, all that. Well, then I'm, I'm giving myself away to others and I'm like, hey, what do you think of my dreams? Oh, why would you do a TEDx talk or whatever the thing is, right? Whether it's a book or a project or acting, it's like we have to stop giving ourselves away and really honor our creativity and ourselves so that we can turn it into something. At least that's the way that I look at it. And, you know, when you have a baby, you know, it's in there for nine months and it's getting the nutrients it needs, the support it needs, everything. And usually people who are pregnant don't necessarily tell everyone until they're like three or four months in. And I think that's a healthy kind of filter to have with our thoughts or our ideas or what we're creating so that we are protecting the things that we're building and our dreams. Me personally, it's like one of the most important things to me, my dreams and my relationships. Tell me more. Why? Yeah. Because yeah, same, same, same. And yeah. and so I was at when Kevin Matheson was sitting here, he, he sort of took the different approach because he's like, because I, I was telling him episode two, check it out. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was telling him that I'm got, I've gotten a little better. I've started proclaiming less my big dreams and my big goals to the universe. And I try to keep them to myself and, and make some headway. Like even with this podcast, like it, it, I kind of didn't reveal what it was to my four people until it was out and it was ready to rock. But yeah. he, he was a little bit opposite. He's like, well, I want to put my big things out there and then the, the universe will, will mm-hmm. help me help it happen but i i so i sort of see both sides and i sort of mm-hmm. i like your example of people saying they're they're gonna write a book or, or do this and and then talking about it and getting the feedback from people because maybe mm-hmm. they aren't sure themselves if mm-hmm. if they can do it so if they say it to other people and they'll get that reflection of oh maybe they think i can or maybe they, they think i can't but yeah it's that kind of yeah. loss of of being grounded in it but 
dreams. Tell me what mm. you wish about your dreams. Because dream, because I get mm. that. I really get that. I get yeah. like dreams. Yeah. Right? Dreams. Yeah. Why 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 dreams? And why why are they so important? And how do you I guess how do you use yours? How do you use yours to motivate you and not discourage you that you're not living them yet? What's your what's your balance to to how your relationship with your dreams? Oh wow, this is like I feel like this is a multi-dimensional question. <laughs> I was I had the chanting moving on uh, music on earlier. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Okay, okay. I feel like with um you said something earlier. I don't know if it was a question, and so I have a little bit of an uns an, an, an incomplete loop. And so I was feeling into answering that question and I'm not remembering it right now. Yeah, well was more, there a piece there? Well, mainly I'm mostly interested in your dreams. Mm, yeah whether or not you want to share what, what they are, but yeah. like, how do you, how do you use them? How do you think about them? How yeah. do you, um, like, do you write them down every day? Do you think mm -hmm. about them before you go to sleep every night? And like, why yeah. are they so important for you? And what if they don't come true? Okay. So whenever we have dreams or we have a vision, it's our higher intelligence. It's our higher self giving us a message. We don't have to fulfill on that. We don't have to. We're going to have a lot of creativity and insights and downloads in our life. I've had so many. I have no joke in storage, in cam lamps. I have like over 40 journals and they're the nice journals from Banyan books that are pricey And because they look, you look at the journal, I look at the journal and I'm like, there's some gold in that journal. Like it's just all of my dreams, all of my thoughts, all of my downloads. And to me, that's sacred. And so for me, I write them down and I don't filter them and I just allow it to flow. And that's a part of my process. And to be radically honest with you, a lot of those ideas from five years ago, three years ago, 10 years ago are coming into fruition now. So I think our dreams, if we choose them, if we say yes to them and we want them, they're going to manifest as long as we're open to taking the step. So you know, okay, dreams versus insights or downloads. We're going to get so much information because we're open channels if we're actually open to the universe. But not everything's for me. Like I've had so many ideas. I'm like, that's a great idea. But do I actually want to do that? Is that aligned with who I want to be and the way I want to live my life? Oh no, it's not actually my dream. It's a great idea. So I think knowing the difference between a great idea and like, oh, this is something my soul needs to do. So as far as like the fulfillment of a dream for me, like I remember coming down to earth. Like I remember having a vision of like looking down on the world and waking up in this life. And I remember exactly what my mission and my vision is on earth. It may show up as a lot of different things. I never thought I would do music. I never thought I would do a lot of the things, but the core essence of it is waking up humanity, waking up people, first myself, right, to the truth of who they are and who they're meant to be, which is awakening, and then helping planetary leaders support, and then also teaching unconditional love. So those are like the deepest essence of my dreams or the messages, but the actual fulfillment of the dream could be me traveling around the world on stages doing music. It could be me teaching yoga, which I don't actually do. It could be all these things. So it's like I, as Deidre, like my humanness gets to pick 
the vehicle. And that's really cool because I think a lot of the time in life, at least what I notice with people talking about purpose and dreams is, oh, it needs to be this vehicle. It's like, well, no, it doesn't. That's your ego having a view of how you want to be seen. But like the fulfillment of your purpose and your dream isn't necessarily the construct of some sort of, um, yeah, it doesn't have to be delivered in one way. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Is that, does it make yeah, sense? Yeah. I feel like I'm kind of talk, rambling, talking circles over here. No, no. Yeah. I always, I always, I always love and appreciate your, your conversations and, and your, your insights. And, and what if, 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 so how is, how is, and I've asked myself this question often, many times, like mm-hmm. how is, how is acting or how is, how is singing on, on stage? Like how is kind of doing these personal selfish things for ourselves? How is that helping to, to awaken anyone else? Okay. So first of all, I saw your show and it was fucking brilliant. Thank it was you. so good. And I saw the first draft of it when we were in the practice mode massive shift Mm -hmm. like I was like on the edge of my seat I was like that's my friend you know it's so good and you know what I loved about your performance was you were totally yourself you were funny you were honest about the ideas of who you thought you should be and how to get there and the whole process there's lots of different messages there and just witnessing it it like made me laugh and was like why do we take this stuff so seriously like I had a lot of personal insights from that and I was like, I felt really connected to you. And I was like, this show that you did is healing for people. It helps people remind themselves not to take things so seriously. And there's so much smoke and mirrors <laughs> so in the influencer and online oh, space. It's okay. ridiculous. And most things on the internet aren't even real, to be honest. And there's a, pe- a lot of people who might not be actually the embodiment of what they teach. And that's all true. And your show gives that message in in a funny way. So guess what? Through your selfish act, which was not selfish, it was because your soul was like, I want to do this for me. But in that experience, the people that received it, you gave them insight, you gave them healing, you gave them permission to be all parts of themselves in their healing process too. So that's a gift, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not selfish. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, and for for the listeners, the show is called Guys Don't Journal. It's so good. Also, it's I, it so was good. 20, 2022 Vancouver Fringe Festival, one hour solo show that I did, which is a little, little 13 months ago now, which is uh, not, not much of a or any of a acting background, like en- engineering background. Yeah. And so turn the turn the book into a TEDx, turn the TEDx into a one man solo show. It is on the same YouTube page as this podcast and it was it was great it was it was amazing so i I appreciate you saying so i love uh i love getting that that mirror from from close friends that that saw it was really cool the close friends that that showed up that i had not seen in a while that that came to see it but yeah i yeah i i i totally am on board with your answer it's sort of like it's sort of like the 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 living of our highest self gives people others the permission to do their own and yeah yeah we need to all take all of this a lot less seriously. Oh my gosh. What do you see in these days? What, what do you see? And, and, and where you're like, come on, like, it's not, it's not, or maybe in the influencer space or the coaching space, oh like what, what is, what is grinding your gears the, the most? Yeah, I love it. Um, and I just want to add something to what you just said there around giving our gift or expressing ourselves. 
is we give other people permission to do the same, but we also give other people a gift that we don't even know. Like I, it would be so cool, Michael, to have every single person at the end of your show say what was a learning or a win that they had from witnessing you in their life. Cause I'm sure the whole crowd, everyone probably would have said something different and that's the impact. So we don't even know our impact. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So I think the thing you said, what's like, what did you say? What's grinding me or what did you say? Yeah. I, I've seen some, some, some eye rolls and some, some cringes when, 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 yeah. you know, we talk about what you're seeing in the online space and, and yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, I saw, I was, uh, I spent an hour on TikTok this morning, which is wild, um, <laughs> but I saw some guys, some guys talk or tick, whatever you mm-hmm. call when you make a, a, a video. And he's like, how do I make a hundred? How do I use AI to make a hundred videos in one hour? And I'm like, no, why? Mm. No, thank you. Cause who like, I don't, mm-hmm. nobody needs to see all that content, right? Mm. It's not even real content. It's being the content is getting created by a computer and we probably aren't even watching it. There's probably computers watching it on the other end. So <sighs> like, like you said, there's so much of what is online is not real. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's been like that for a long time now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not, most things don't irk me. Like the things that get me going is people who are unkind and want to tear other people down or hurt people. Those are the things that will irk me and I will be mama bear and be like, rah, right? Mm-hmm. But as far as like online stuff, I think one of the things that I tell my clients a lot and I remind myself a lot too, is that a lot of people who are in the online space that look very super flashy and super successful, a lot of them are faking it um, or are paying for it. There are agencies that you pay to get 100,000 people behind your name. So it's like the more I learn about entrepreneurship, but more from like thought leadership space, the more I can see behind the veil of a lot of people who have. 50, 100K plus followers on social media, not all of them, but most of them um, have had an agency or have have paid for that. And it doesn't mean that they're not legit followers. So that's okay. Like none of this irks me. I just love whenever I teach people like in the online business space and with what I do, like talking and, and, you know, um, business, it's like, I just like to give people the full scope so that they're not comparing themselves to someone who paid $50,000 to an agency. But that's, it's frustrating because you help people mainly in their online businesses, coaches, speakers, authors, et cetera, et cetera, and other sorts of businesses as as well. But it's, it's, it's gotta be frustrating for them when they, when they start a new account and, and like nobody's watching and they have all this good stuff or all these good products and all these good services. So how do you like, what do you say to them to, to not let them get discouraged that it appears that nobody is watching their stuff? Well, you don't need a big following to do well financially in business. Um, I actually lost my Instagram account a year and a half ago. It was hacked and I had to restart. So I've been like, whatever. I don't look at Instagram or social media as a metrics of success at all. That's like small game that's doing what everyone else is doing and being popular. Most people go on social media, Instagram specifically to be entertained. So if I'm going to be an entertainer, 
then giddy up, right? Like, let's do it. But like for me, I I don't use it as a platform to necessarily get clients. I use it as a platform to add the things that I'm up to and all of that. And there are different things that I will be doing to support my social media, but my social media isn't my business. I teach people specifically how to get booked on stages, how to step more into the thought leadership space and create a sustainable business of real opportunity and real depth and sustainability online that doesn't rely on social media. Mm -hmm. So when I think about numbers, like, yeah, okay, well, that's a popularity contest that you're not going to win. And if you're just going to give the audience whatever they want, are you actually aligned? And my company is called Radically Aligned. So it's like, are we giving our power away to some platform to be popular? Mm -hmm. Or are we actually doing our soul's work, getting into our own lane, looking at what we love to do and what our gifts are? And like for me, I'm not interested, and I probably will do some of this, but I'm not interested in spending a ton of time on social media and maybe hiring someone to do more of that for me would be great. I did have someone in the past, but I love speaking on stages. You can throw me on stage in front of anyone and I could like be there for 10 days entertaining and teaching people whatever. So I know my lane and my zone of genius and I help other people know their lanes. And if you can use social media to complement that and to show your gifts, great. But if you're using it as a means of like, this equals success or popularity. You're in your ego and the ego wants you to compare yourself to other because guess what? It's going to block you from being who you're meant to be. And like, it's an app. Like it's not real. Like today I forgot my phone inside three times today when I left my place to run errands. I almost forgot on the way here. And I was like, I'm like, I don't know his address. Right. And, and I was like, this is such a good thing because I don't even know where my phone is. So it just depends on where you're doing your marketing and how and and what you make it mean and I think perspective is everything yeah, especially the, as an entrepreneur yeah the apps well the apps are they're they're meant to be addictive right they're yeah. meant to keep us on there and my yeah my happiest moments throughout the week are when I go for a walk and yeah. my phone sits right there and it doesn't come yeah. on the journey with me it's 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 really I don't think too many people do that but it's mm-hmm. it's there's something because when you even if you go for a walk and your phone is in your pocket yeah. you're kind of always thinking about your phone and when it's going to buzz or something's <laughs> on it to an extent but if yeah. if you leave it at home you get this break and then whatever that connection is gets a little bit of a rest yeah and boundaries i think is so important we were talking about this before we you know started recording mm-hmm. like you were like do you have your phone off i'm like like Mike, my phone's always off because it's like it's very difficult to get a hold of me unless I'm playing music and you're interrupting my music. Because <laughs> like oh, if if your phone yeah. rings, I yeah. think even if it's on silent, it will interrupt it as like a pause. So unless I'm listening to music or I'm on my phone or I'm, you know, expecting a phone call, my ringer's off because I don't want people to have immediate access to me. But that's the way that I like to live my life and my the way I have boundaries in my business is so that I can live the life that's sacred and important to me so I can be creative and have fun and not be like worrying about likes or how many people have messaged me. It's like it, we get to live our life on our own terms. And I don't think enough entrepreneurs and people who are going after their dreams really get that. Like we were just talking about you and like your career, like you're in the driver's seat. And like, mm-hmm. how cool is that? Like mm-hmm. you get to you get to pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, yeah, no, it's definitely it's definitely fun. And I was gonna pick on up on what you said about mm-hmm. about dreams again because 
one of the other things I asked earlier is how do you, how do you, and I'm doing a better job at, at this as well. I, I don't think I did a very particular great job, say two, three, four or five years ago with this, but mm. the, the, it's called this word, it's called, uh, Everyone else knows that it's just kind of taken me a while to to get there. It's called patience. <laughs> I was like, I was leaning down, like, I'm like, Michael, what's the word? I'm like, I need to know. I saw you <laughs> lean in and like, wow. I'm like, I'm better than I thought here. <laughs> yeah, totally. Patience, right? And and yeah. patience and kind of, uh, you know, like, yeah, certain, certain dreams that I have, they're probably going to take the rest of my life, right? Yeah. 40 years, 30 years, 20 Isn't years. Isn't that cool? Though? Isn't that cool? Like, what else am I going to do? I know. Uh, what else? Like, if, if that's what someone else was saying to me the other day, like, if we all just walked outside and all our dreams just instantly occurred, then like, it would be, it'd be chaos. But yeah. how, what, what would the challenge be? And you wouldn't learn anything. Yeah. And just to riff on that for a second, it's like, it, it is the journey. Like, it feels good to like achieve things. I'm a, I, I could say high achiever. I love achieve. I love the feeling of hitting a goal. It's really fulfilling for me. And I love the feeling of always moving forward. But also like one of the things I've realized is my dream has been pretty consistent. It hasn't really shifted too much. Everything like there's different ways that I'm expressing the dream and living the dream and contributing the dream. But also just another piece is it's okay to change the dream. You know, I think that we go through different phases. I'm in a different phase of my life right now where it's like, I don't feel like I need to prove anything. And so I feel very different. You know, I feel very different about my dream. It's like, I'm not in a push force trying to make anything happen. It's happening because I am the dream. Like I have created the dream within myself. Like I feel the way that I want to feel. I value myself. I love my relationships. I love my life. So naturally I'm living the dream, but it might not be an idea of the dream based on goals. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You're it. Well, the dream is a feeling. I I, I actually get that and appreciate that from you. uh, And I kind of understand that more than I perhaps would in the, in the past, but Mm -hmm. you also have, if people are listening, they're wondering like, what, what's your dream? What's your dream? Like, what's yeah. the, what, what are your, what are your, and those are perhaps some of the things that you, you don't share, what your goals are. I can share some of them. Share it's, away. Some of them. This I, is a safe space. <laughs> this is a safe space for Michael's living room. It's perfect. <laughs> it's almost fire season, right? And it's getting kind of chilly it's in here. It's perfect. Okay. Um, so yeah, like the dream is, I feel like I'm living the dream and I'm fulfilling the dream. Um, but like a specific dream of mine is to be a New York Times bestselling author. And I know that that's happening. Like I already know it. I feel it. I'm working towards it. That's pretty big. Um, but that's like a, people could say, oh, is that an egoist dream? No, yeah, maybe, maybe it's, it's something that I'm going to get there. And, you know, I would like to turn my next book into a movie and get it picked up by um, a network. And yeah, I'd like my book to sell millions of copies because the book is really, really powerful. I'm not going to talk too much about the book because that's not going to not going to be talking about that work until the new year. Mm-hmm. Um, but the dream is to get that work out to as many people as possible because it's about helping people heal and accept themselves and come back to love within self, like unconditional love essentially is the message without saying too much about nice. the message. Yeah. Nice. So, I, um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I would also have New York Times on, on my list. I, yeah. uh, 
not sure how and, and when, but I, I also, I'm like, well, if this is my life, that would be cool. Why and not? I, why not? Uh, yeah. If you like, I'm, uh, the Writers Festival is on right now. Oh, is uh, it? So there's a couple, we shall chat. There's a couple interesting events because it's it's a lot. There's a lot of New York Times bestselling authors down on Granville Island this week. Really? And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was at an event Monday night and I'm going something on, on Friday. But it's those kind of rooms we need to be in. Right. Yeah. If we're going to, if we're going to, those dots are going to get connected. I want an invite for Friday. Can you tell me the details? Later? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> Lauren Groff, she's a, she's a great, uh, she's a great um, author. I heard her speak yeah. a couple years ago and she's written Fates and Fury and Matrix. I love Fates and Fury so much. It's an incredible, yeah. incredible book. But these, yeah. uh, and then Monday night was all the, the Giller Prize finalists. Okay. That cool. uh, Scotiabank Giller Prize. So these are like, writers these are these oh, are these are authors so it, it's it. really but these are the rooms yeah and then you know see uh you know see a sunrise person she wrote uh i've had her on on some of my instagram uh lives in the last mm -hmm. little while hopefully get her on this show recently but mm -hmm. she wrote north of normal and then beyond normal i believe was her her second memoir but she recently and she wrote those five six seven eight nine years ago but mm -hmm. those books are are now that it's a movie and, oh, it, I love and it's on that. and it's on apple and i believe it's on netflix yeah. and it's in theaters this past yeah. last year so she's done it so That's my point awesome. being like i'm like i want that as well so i gotta mm -hmm. be around these people and just kind of see how they do it yeah. and get the introductions get the connections mm -hmm. learn how to be a way better writer learn how to um learn how to act if i want to be the one acting in in my my movie that's right? actually one of my dreams is to yeah, be yeah. the main actress in my own movie <laughs> yeah well yeah and and acting is it's so cool it's so challenging yeah uh, but it helps you in so many other facets of your life because it like the the best actors aren't putting on a mask or really acting at all they're just yeah. totally just being themselves and yeah. tapping into different situations mm -hmm. and feelings that they've been in so mm -hmm. the amount that's what i loved about doing the show like last year because like you said, the, the, the version you saw in June versus the one you saw in September, night and day. Oh, big difference. And, but I went through it. That was so I went good. through it last yeah, summer. And Megan and David, the, the co-directors, they put me through it. Yeah. Because I, I had to become the person mm -hmm. that could, could share those stories mm -hmm. um, from an authentic place, not from like putting it on. Yeah. So it's the, what, what's really cool about acting and singing as well is if you don't put in the work between mm -hmm. the sessions you can tell oh for sure you can tell when you're on stage performing and doing something in front of people <sighs> mm -hmm. they'll be like she didn't do her homework mm -hmm. didn't do didn't do the work the same you're you're, you're doing the same performance that you did yesterday it, it hasn't changed at all you, you mm -hmm. haven't done the work you can't hide it or fake it Mm -hmm. when you're on stage and it's subtle too like the yeah. interesting thing about speaking even mm -hmm. whether you're speaking on stage tedx whatever or you're acting or you're singing it's your voice and it's your openness and it, it really is about embodiment and it's very subtle like it's it's not something at least for me in my experience with singing and also speaking it's uh it's it's subtle and it's not something my mind can really wrap around so you know, for me, I couldn't, I, I just started singing like a year and a bit ago, and now I have a whole album. And I was afraid to, to even sing in front of anyone because I had never done, really done that before unless it was karaoke, like back in the day, right? And just like, Wah! you know, I'm um, just like making, you know, having some good times with some friends. But um, 
Yeah. They call it, they call it being on voice. On voice. That's what the the actor crowd. Oh. Yeah. Yes. And, and it's a thing. Like on voice. On voice. Tell it's, me about that. It's it's when you are sharing, mm-hmm. you know how how you and I would talk without the cameras being on. Okay. Is your authentic voice. So yeah. if you can do that when you're on stage or in front of people, ah, mm-hmm. uh, and and you can see when people when people go when are, are new to public speaking or something when they, when they pick up the microphone, their voice goes a little higher sometimes. Oh, I used to have that. We all did. Yeah, we all did. Yeah. I when do you ever see your uh, do you ever see your um like your memories on on Facebook or Instagram? Oh, I know. No, no, please don't. <laughs> well, come on, that's good, but that's exactly it. That shows so the bad. growth, right? And so bad. I, like I, 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 you know. My my favorite pastime is going through my Instagram and deleting all my old videos. I'm like, man, good for you, but yeah. oh my god, it's well, boring. you got to start somewhere. Yeah, right? but it shows the growth. Yeah, for and sure. and so being on voice is the yeah. ability to to have that authentic voice, yeah. and you can tell, and people really, and it's important when you're talking, doing something live or even something on camera, because mm-hmm. if you're not having that authentic on voice there's a there's a mask and there's a barrier put up and you won't be able to connect with the audience mm-hmm. or the listeners and they'll go mm-hmm. well this person's hiding something or they're putting on a show yes. and it's entertaining which is okay like i think i'm entertaining sometimes yeah. i do like you know a little some i'm in your jacket <laughs> <laughs> it's my sparkle era so this is literally where it all sparkles it's my sparkle <laughs> <laughs> But I think that it's like there's a difference between putting on a show like you are because because sometimes we do put on a show and it's appropriate, like dancing on stage. Like I used to be a performer. It's like there's a show that's being put on. And I think there's a difference between putting on a show or being on a stage where you need to project your voice and be somebody for something, a show uh, versus like, hey, how's it going? This is where I'm at. And maybe in a room full of like hundreds of people, not even hundreds, we'll say like Tony Robbins. Okay, perfect example. Tony Robbins, love the guy. I've been to, have you been to Unleash the Power? I've been to like a one day thing here in Vancouver with him. Okay, so he's, he's putting on a show. He's, there's no way he's like that all day, every day. Hmm. It's a part of his personality that he leverages at his events to, keep people's attention and to get them motivated. And that's a great thing. It's a tool. After that, he's doing ice baths. He's doing self-care. He's working on his throat game because he has like some stuff going on in his throat and a lot of other things. So when we look at that, he's like, okay, I'm going to be on stage. I'm going to be helping like, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 people in this arena. And I'm going to be authentically myself. And I'm also putting on a show in a way that this is formulated in a way that I know that it works, but I also need to use my voice and my body and my physicality as a tool to get people to feel a certain way. So it's like, it's, it's an interesting space between like full authenticity, which is just us chilling right now. I mean, if I wasn't coming to your place right now, I may not have curled my hair. I may not have like put on the earrings, you know, looks great, but like, so, but like, what? I wasn't wearing this 10 minutes before you got yeah, here. Yeah, maybe you were you wearing like a, I you was know, wearing my house coat. outfit or no, something. My house coat. Or okay. his house coat. So it's like we all present ourselves in certain ways to fit in uh, or for the occasion. And we have parts of our personality 
that we can use for us. The problem is, and this is like some of like the more inner work that I help people do. And I've done a lot of this on myself, still working on it is like understanding my foundational personality. This is like traumas, imprints, who I think I am, who I think I should be, what other people love about me. Right. Oh, what's that? Is that a good thing or bad thing? What do you mean? Oh, I say it like this. I'm like, well, it's like sometimes we can build and I say we, I, I built a life in my past life within this reality where I was so good at being the woman, the person that was like, everything's great. I was like the motivator. I was like Tony Robbins, but like (laughs) D-style, right? So I was so good at giving people what they wanted and loved from me versus being authentic. So our personality, like one of the reasons why I love deconstructing the personality is because there are different parts of us that we can leverage, like my example with Tony Robbins, but then there's also the authentic version of us. That's just like, this is just how I am today. But if I were to go on stage at like one of my events today, I would be bringing the energy. I'd be like pumping up the music and changing my state so that I could perform in a way I would still be in alignment with myself and my goals and my vision and my dreams and my service, but I may not be like staying in a state that's not serving my goal. And I think there's something to be said or like there's an energetic difference and it's, it's more subtle. Yeah. Yeah. And then how do, I guess, because it's, it's, it's a tough thing to work on. I don't think there's any better way for public speakers to work on it other than doing more public speaking. Yeah. Because how you, you just, you get more, it's a bit about being comfortable on stage. So it's about going through the reps and doing it and doing it, doing it. And I did, you know, I did Toastmasters for, for a year and a half. I did a bunch mm. of Karen's programs, did evolutionary business council, all mm. really high level programs that mm-hmm. really fortunate to be uh, a part of another speaking in the engineering space. I did mm. a, a one hour talk last week mm. at the American Society for Quality. And I rocked it. Amazing. Oh boy. It was, it was, well, the one thing I do need to work on is mm-hmm. bringing a little bit more humor to my, uh, mm-hmm. to my talks. It was a little bit too serious for eight 30 in the morning, but, but I rocked it. Like I had 80 people with me for, for 50 minutes I love and it that. was lit up, but it's, so if people are listening and they're just starting in, in their, in their public speaking or putting content on mm-hmm. online, is there a better way to, to get on voice to get this authentic voice? Or do you think it's just keep going out there and keep making those awkward videos? Yeah, I think it's the awkward videos. Like my awkward videos when I first started, I remember my first talk that I did. People said I was good, but I think they were just being nice. Like I was totally like, ah, like, you know, yeah. like high energy, high voice, like not in my body, probably just like avoiding the anxiety that I had. Um, But I feel like doing the reps is the only way it's kind of like spiritual bypassing. Like if we think about it, I think there's a bypassing that's happening in entrepreneurship and potentially in relationship work, not relationship work. We're just going to say in relationships, um, in healing and spirituality. And also, I think I mentioned entrepreneurship business. Sometimes we're like, oh, I don't want to do this part. This part's not fun. So I'm going to, I'm going to overcompensate and just position myself here in a way. And I feel like reps is the way practice is the way I remember I, I spent a whole year. And like, if you know, my personality, I get bored easily. I need to like, I love depth. I love mastery and anything I do. 
I usually suck at, at the beginning, but I end up being really, really, really good at it later on. And it's like just doing the reps, doing the work, you know, you can't bypass doing the work. I spent a whole year. This is what I was going to say. I lost my train of thought for a second, <laughs> kind of like when I did my TEDx, but I kept going <laughs> Yep. is, um, yeah, I spent a whole year working on my core story of my signature talk. And like, I help people create their signature talks, not in like a, it has to be super structured. There is some structure to it so that if you're on a podcast, a stage, whatever, you know how to feel your story and get, as you said, on voice. Um, but I spent a whole year on my story. And you know what? The story sucked. I hated the story. And my mentor at the time was like, this is the story. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't want to tell this story. Mm -hmm. This is like, I am so not living that story anymore. And I was like, well, I'm paying this person a lot of money, so I should listen to them because yeah. they're master at telling stories. And a whole year on one two-minute story. And now I have a structure for all other stories, but that story is really good. That story you still tell. That story is still in there. I do, but internally. <laughs> You're kind of like it's an old story. You know, I was in, I was in conversation with my, uh, my friend Lance uh, before we were in Alberta for an event very recently. And he's like, D, you need to tell a new story. Oh, uh, yeah. I know Lance. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, I know him, but we actually hung out in person in, in Mexico almost two years ago now. Oh, yeah, nice. super cool. Um, is it the hair story? The hair falling it's out? It's the story? hair story. Yeah. You've heard it, right? Well, we've all, I mean, has anyone heard my divorce story? Probably a million times, yeah. right? But it, it's, it's, but what do we do with that, right? They're like, these are, these are how, you know, our vulnerable stories that we, people connect with us, yeah. which, with. And yeah. these are these are transformational times of our, our lives, but they're not our only stories. So what do we, yeah. what do we do with these stories? Well, the story's good. Stories are good if you have a beginning, a middle, and an end. There's conflict. You know this from acting. There's like some sort of win or insight or growth where you're able to teach people. And there's the younger version of you that didn't maybe know you were in something that you were in. So my story is about losing a chunk of hair and my soul telling me I was going to die from cancer in a year and me having a wake up call and choosing something different, choosing a new life. I don't have to tell the story. But the thing with those stories is it touches people who are in a part of that story right now and they feel it within their body. So the more personal we make our story and the more we can be in alignment with how we actually felt like a big part of the work that I did with storytelling was breaking down the armor mm. of like, oh, that must have really sucked. You were in a mentally and emotionally abusive relationship. Oh, that must have been really hard for you. And I would always be like, no, I'm no, 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 no. Yeah, it was hard or whatever. Yeah, I'm, good. Yeah, I'm like, let's move on. Let's talk about something more interesting. But like a big part of the work with that was like me actually being like, like. That was hard. That was really hard. Like I felt worthless after that relationship. And that's probably roughly when I met you was just after that relationship ended. I felt worthless. I thought I had nothing going for me. Um, and I, you know, I still, even though I've done so much healing, sometimes that stuff still comes up for me where I'm like, oh, wow, like that, you know, it, it made an impact and such a beautiful impact, the flip side of it, because I've been able to support so many people with different aspects of that. Um, 
but also me bypassing, right? And we do this as entrepreneurs and in life, we want to just talk about how great we are or all the positive highlights. And I'm guilty of it too, um, because I love to bring my best self to people. And that's before I leave my house. I'm bringing my best self to people. I'm not bringing my day or my stuff that's going on behind the scenes. I love to leave people in a better place. But as far as like connection, truth, being on voice and being a good public speaker and connecting with people, whether it's a book or or acting or whatever, it's like we actually have to get real with the stuff that sucks and feel it and you know, share our voice from that place because that's the magic of connection. And so for me, telling that story of losing my hair, abusive relationship, the old version of me was like, oh, I sound like a victim. I never want to be a victim. Like I'm not a victim, but it's like, you're not a victim, D, but this is a good story that, that helps other people see themselves in their own story and take the actions that's going to help them evolve. And that's worth telling. So story development is huge. Yeah. Nice. That's, yeah. uh, if you remember in the show that I did last year, the, the solo show in, in the, it's so scene, good. So good. Like, it's so freaking good. I, 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 I actually watched the, I've only watched the video of it once. I watched it with, with my dad about a month or so after the actual live event. And I was like, and I was able to watch it. and I am also, I can't pay attention to anything. Right? right. And I watched the whole 50 minutes. I was like, it's actually quite good. Yeah. You know, quite gripping. But the like scene two or whatever it is, I get angry. Yeah. And so Megan and David, the the co-directors, like we worked on that hard because the same yeah. sort of thing, like I wasn't willing to hmm. get angry yeah. in front of other people because because whatever that weakness that that shows. Right. But yeah. so I specifically remember a, a rehearsal we were doing at the Vancouver Film School late July or early August last year where like Megan, Megan Phillips, brilliant singer, brilliant actress was was in my face fucking yelling at me yeah like calling me shit throwing shit at me screaming at me oh my god just i know just to get me to do the same to her because i wouldn't i'd be like oh stop no no i'm angry and she's like yell at me and so i'll start yelling at her and then david's sitting there he's just taking notes and stuff he's a like these guys are professionals right they're uh, they're sorting me out but you, you, and then we start throwing stuff around the room, like, like happens in the actual show. But yeah. th- that took a lot of work to get to that space because yeah. we don't want to be perceived, especially if, you know, if, if we're, if we're leaders uh, and, and authors and speakers and we're motivational, yeah. often we have this belief that we can't be ever seen as being angry. Well, the flip side of that, if we hold in our anger, it turns into depression. It turns into self-anger because we haven't released it. And it's funny that you're talking about anger because I'm having a flashback to when I got into boxing. And at first in my boxing classes, I was so weak. I don't know why I consider myself a strong person. I've always been an athlete, but I was like, I thought I was given it, but I was like weak, weak. It was, it was embarrassing. And I was like, man, like I saw people beside me and I'm like, how are they just crushing it? Right. And then I started to, and this just kind of organically happened, but I recommend this to everyone, especially women. You're a woman. If you're a woman, if you are a woman, if you're women, if you're women, if you're a woman, um, 
and you want to step into your power, you better get connected to your anger. So I was in, I was in boxing and I was weak for a while. And then I started just to imagine people's faces Mm. of people who like betrayed me, hurt me, backstabbed me, whatever. And I just went nuts on that bag. And I remember, and, and all of a sudden I was like this beast and, uh, the, the teacher was like, wow, like you're like really like doing it. And I, I just picture people's faces. And uh, I think that anger isn't talked about enough. There's not enough safe places for it. It's something that I've considered like posting something. Like, I don't know what that looks like. I don't think I'm leaking my energy about this, but maybe I am. But I've thought about like, um, you know, what if there was a safe space to like um, experience your anger where it was like encouraged? And maybe that's something that I could bring to Vancouver for fun for people. But yeah, so I was in um, boxing, crushing it. And I remember I was going through something really challenging. I was away. I was in uh, San Diego for a few months living there, came back, and uh, I was crushing the bag. And the guy, Arvin was like, whoa, girl, who hurt you? Who hurt you? And he was like, damn, girl. And I was like, because I was like, I was nuts on the bag. And the past version of me, again, it's not okay to get angry. It's not okay to express this. And I would just sweep things under a rug. And, and part of it was like, you know what? I didn't have a backbone. And I didn't own my worth. And I didn't own my place in the world. And I think that me stepping more into my, as I call, sacred rage, I was able to be like, you know what? Like, no, you don't get access to me. Or no, that's not okay. And not from a place of anger, but from a place of like healthy boundaries. Like if someone betrays you or backstab you or whatever the thing is multiple times, see you later. I don't give people three chances anymore. I used to give people countless chances. Oh, that's not their higher self. Now I'm like, one time you're out. And doesn't mean people can't be human. No one's perfect. But if someone intentionally does something, I'm like, you're out. And it's because I value myself. And I feel like a big part of that, Michael, was because I tune into my anger. So it's like, I think that is a big, um, a, a powerful process for people to go through so that we can own our value, our worth, our body, our boundaries, and step into our power. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. This game changer. I love that you brought that up. I was just like, oh my gosh, flashbacks of like, who's this chick in boxing? <laughs> I, I spent some time at Rumble over in Yale Town hitting Thanks. that bag yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Right? It's, there's there's something about it, right? And and I don't think that was a necessarily time in my life I'd like to return to in that yeah. headspace, but that so that certainly helped though. Cause I can't oh, can't really sure. imagine uh not having that that outlet but is that like is that all that you describe right there that this anger and and dealing with that in a in a healthy way is that is that is that the definition of shadow work so okay there's there's a few different definitions of of shadow work that i've heard the best way for me to describe shadow work from my own experience is something that is unseen so, you know, my a part of my brand is called Turn Your Light On. It's about waking up to who you are and who you're meant to be. When I think about turning your light on, you can like look around and see things clearly. You're like, oh, weird, that painting's on sideways or oh, weird, that doesn't belong here. Oh, shit. What is that? You know, so when we turn our light on, we're able to see where everything is 
and what needs to go, what we need to clean out of our house, our physical, mental, emotional, energetic body, et cetera. And so when I think of shadow work, I think of it as a way of like starting to look at parts of ourselves that we haven't really seen that are in the dark. And one of the ways that I can think of it is like, you know, shadow work. And I'll give you an example after something that I went through. Um, it's kind of like, did you ever like run up the stairs when you were younger? Like, because you were afraid of the dark or something? <laughs> no. <laughs> did you ever, were you like afraid like that there was like a boogeyman or anything like underneath of your no, never. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely not. did not happen. Flexing and looking really manly. So funny. Okay, so for me in our childhood home, um, if we, if I would, if I would be um, going up the stairs, you'd have to turn off the light in the basement, and then it'd be dark. Uh, I would run up yeah. because I had a fear that there was like the boogeyman or something was going to chase me. So when I think about shadow work. I think about like, oh, there's a boogeyman underneath of my um, bed. There's a monster in my closet and we're not, we haven't turned the light on. We're not willing to look. So shadow work to me is beginning to look. I think it's very similar to my turn your light on work um, is how I see it. But the first time I really started to experience maybe more of the essence of shadow work, I could be wrong, is when I was in... um, when I was in Mexico a couple of years ago, I was writing my book and um, I remember being in a relationship with someone and the relationship was over. It was done. It was a short-lived relationship. And I remember being so like feeling so free after and like self-expressed and also like just not like sexy, like I'm trying to get attention from people, but just like, finally, I can just like dress the way I dress. I can just do what I do without worrying about someone else or whatever. There was something kind of coming to the surface. And so for me, the the shadow aspect that came up for me was like, in the past, I would be like, oh no, like you need to dim yourself down. You're not allowed to um, be sexy. You're not allowed to be happy a relationship just ended. Like there was all these, all this stuff that I wasn't aware of until I was so excited and relieved that the relationship was over because I could finally just be without the dynamic that was going on. And I had to move through like this shame of like, oh, like I've programmed myself on some level that it's not okay to be happy. Um, It's not okay to be fully expressed. It's not okay to have what I want. And then it's not okay to be happy after this relationship ended. And it was like super liberating. Um, So it's challenging for me to fully articulate it because for me, that aspect of self that revealed itself came on really quick and it brought up a lot of guilt and shame that I had to clear. And once once I was able to move through that, I was like, my life is awesome. It's yeah. a party. Everything's great. And then I was like, can I really be this happy? And can everything be great? And it's like, yes. yeah, it yeah. can be. You don't, you can just be. And uh, so there was, there was some parts of self that revealed. And I was like, this is a lot. Nice. So yeah. shadow work, it's a, challenging yeah. for me to fully articulate it. Yeah. I'm, I'm always trying to get interested in, in people's definitions so I can understand my, my own. I remember when I first started thinking and thinking about it, it was really, it was, 
it was back in sort of my my love and light era where, sure. where every <laughs> yeah uh, love and light yeah. or where where you think where you think everything is beautiful and everything is great and and if and none of that is inside of you like you are not right. capable of any sort of anger or or um, negative thoughts or doing anything wrong like if those thoughts even come up at all you're like oh no that's not me I'm pure I'm, I'm pure love and, and light so yeah. I don't go there that's that's the other people so yeah. I where I see it is is like this journey of uh, shadow work is acknowledging that that those are in you it's mm. it, those you can you can I can totally you know go down to the coffee shop and 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 you know destroy the place if I if I wanted to I totally I could do it in 10 minutes I could be down yeah. there but I choose not to right I choose not to go there and I can I can I can be angry. I can be pissed off at all sorts of things, but but I choose not to go mm. there. But it is it is in me. I'm not I'm not pure and sacred from those sorts of thoughts and feelings. It's like knowing what you're capable of. Yeah, it's it's choosing. It's knowing. Mm. It's not you know. It's not. I think it's not judging others that are doing things that we choose not to do and thinking that mm. we possible. There's no way I could I could do that. Oh yeah. We could we could do that, but. For whatever reason, we 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 choose not to. But it doesn't mean we're we're morally sacred and 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 beyond and better than they are. Yeah, I I love this too. And and on the note of judgment, there's so much projection. Um, that's something that I find is relevant everywhere. Because I could see something about you and be like, oh, this is what's going on for him. And that's why as a coach, actually, I just want to bring this up because you mentioned this earlier, like what bothers you about coaching? It's like, um, I think it's really important as a coach to spend less time talking unless you're actually like teaching something like I teach a lot of things in my business. Um but like when you're working with someone, don't make assumptions. Like I think it's so easy to make assumptions about people based on like how they look, their facial expressions, like uh, how they dress, what they say. We can make all of these assumptions based on someone, based on our own experience and project that onto them. And I think that that's something that's really um, common in the coaching space. And I think that's why a lot of people have really horrible experiences with coaches, which gives coaching a bad rep, but also there's people who have amazing experiences with coaches and it's transformational and it's like they're comparing it to a decade or whatever of therapy or whatever. It's an accelerator in their life and business. So, but in life too, all relationships, we're always kind of projecting and we're like, oh, like this person looked at me funny or oh, this is why they did that. And I don't think we have enough curiosity. And, you know, one of the things we talked about before we recorded was we were in your kitchen talking about, I took a few months off this year and it was because I was feeling really disconnected from myself and my business. And you asked this earlier, but I didn't answer. And I just felt like I needed to like, just do nothing because I was just so used to do, 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 be, 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 create, create, create. And so I took three months off. And in those three months, I went to Mexico, like had a lot of fun, ate a lot of tacos, like, you know, a static dance and all of that. And um, one, when I, after my three months of taking time off, aside from my business was still running, um, I really did some self-reflection of like, how did I get here? How did I get to a point where I was like, I just need to take three months off? Because I've never done that. Like, just like, I need to just stop, right? And I started to see how there were some people in my field. And I don't mean like business field. I just mean like my physical surrounding people that I saw 
who were projecting a lot of stuff on me and I was receiving it as true almost, or I was kind of not really, um, what, like that, what they, what they wanted you to do or what they thought you should be doing or how yeah. they saw you. Yeah, exactly. So I had, I had a, I'm just gonna, <laughs> I, I had someone who projected a lot of stuff onto me. They're a great person, big heart, just thought they were helping me, but were actually like very belittling. And it just was like a really weird situation. And so every time I was around that person and they probably don't even know they were doing it, um, but they were just telling me about how I'm not enough, how I'm not doing enough. And they were talking to me like I like was kind of stupid almost like I don't know how to describe it. It wasn't a mentor or anything like that. It was just someone that I was like in my field that I was seeing. I was bumping into a lot. And I was in kind of a low time emotionally because my dad had been going through cancer treatments and just emotionally, I was like feeling pretty exhausted to be honest. Um, and like anyone who's like had a parent that's sick or going through something like it just, it can be very consuming on like an energy level. So I was in kind of like a lower energetic space, bit emotional. And then I had this person projecting a lot of limitations on me and they were telling me what I can't do. And it was just casual conversation, but they were so mm-hmm. confident. Mm-hmm. And I remember being on my phone, uh, on my phone one day with my friend, Lindsay, and I was like, oh my gosh, I lost my mojo for a few months there. And I was like, it's because I've been in this community with this person who's been projecting on me and putting all these limitations. And also because I'm more influenceable because I'm in a lower state, probably wasn't taking as good of care of myself as I could have because of, you know, like what was going on with my family. And then I also had, um, a client from hell. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, juicy. (laughs) talk about yeah yeah i was actually thinking about that today because you because i was thinking about how you've been in this for a while and so you gotta you got especially in the coaching world they're running programs online business yeah you're you're gonna come across that and so you've you gotta have a thick skin yeah and so you've developed that i mean you know what i will say people i think it's my aries external like me being like i'm i love i'm very bold and direct I don't really like, I'm just, you know me, I'm very direct. And I, that you are, <laughs> that you are. <laughs> I'm like, I wonder what you're thinking about. But um, yeah, so for me, it was just, uh, it was just, I had a client from hell. I haven't had many bad clients, to be honest. I've been very, very lucky. Um, I'm actually, what I was wanting to say there was, um, People might think I'm super strong and I am like I, 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 I am a very strong person, resilient, and I'm also a very sensitive person. If I let you into my inner circle or like under my wing or you're like in my world, I care about you and I am more sensitive. But like most of the world, I'm pretty like strong, but with my inner circle, I'm very sensitive. I'm a sensitive person. And so I, yeah, I attracted, um, a client from hell, which people don't really talk about. Everyone's like, oh, everything's perfect all the time. It's like, no, we've all had a client or two from hell in our career. And I've been doing this for like six years. I've probably only had like maybe two or three clients that weren't the best. 
Um, but it's always been like, okay, they're just not the right fit. Um, but this person came on real hot and was like, I want to work with you. You're amazing. And they like put me on this big pedestal, mm. which is like a red flag to me. Mm. I don't want anyone to put me on a pedestal because pedestals are illusions. And also sometimes it's like, there's a disconnect between reality and, you know, like the real truth of something versus like someone's imagination of like what you're going to help them with. And I think there's a disconnection and delusion in the coaching industry that a lot of people hire a coach because they're like, wow, that person's really sparkly or really cool or whatever. And they think that they're going to have that life from working with them when really they're helping you with a specific skill or step. And I think that a lot of people you know, who aren't satisfied in the coaching space, there's not realistic expectations up front and they're in delusionville. I talk mm. about this a little bit in my book. Sometimes we do that in relationships. Sometimes we do that in business and life all the ways, right? And uh, delusionville is a place where we make things something that it's not and we tell ourselves a story and then we're upset when we see the truth when the truth has always been there. So um, this client, I won't get too much into detail. They're not local or anything like that. Um, but came on really strong, put me on a pedestal and I was de-pedestaling myself. I was like, listen, you're great. I know you want to work with me in this container. And this is what this container is. Like I was super clear. I like went over everything. This is a leadership program. This is a, this program. Like it was like, cause I, for me, I have a rule with clients and this might be like the best piece of advice I give on this podcast today in this conversation for any coaches out there is my rule for filtering people into my life basically everywhere is if I wouldn't invite you over for dinner as a friend, I don't want you as a client. So that's pretty high standard. You know me like it's pretty high standard, right? Mm -hmm. And so this, this person came in hot and I was like, Hey, I just want to be really clear. Like I know you love a lot of other things about me, like my style, my funness, my outgoingness. I met this person in LA. I said, but I just want to be really clear. That's who I am. But this is the program mm. as in like, I just don't want there to be any confusion. Nice. And the person was like, no, 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 no. I want to do it. And I'm like, okay, like let's take things slowly. Cause I probably felt like my intuition was probably like not really sure. They joined the program. They did some good work. And then they just got a little bit, um, you know, I think the reality check was in like, oh no, this is the program and it's not, it's not the program. Isn't that uh, you're going to make me you. Yeah. 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 Right. right. And so I, that sounds so weird to say, but like, it's a true thing. Yeah, There's yeah. a lot of, um, people wanting to be their coaches, which, yeah. you know, we look up to people. I've done that. Yeah. Like I've yeah. had coaches where I'm like, I want to be like Satya or I want to be like this, or I love that thing about this person. And I think it's great. Um, but just being real with it. So I've never, yeah, I've never heard it put like that. That's really, really, really great. Yeah. yeah that's, that's quite interesting. And I love, I look, we've all had great coaches and, and not so great coaches, but I yeah. think maybe even the not so great ones were not perhaps because they were not so great coaches, but perhaps us as coaches were thinking that we something else was, something else was, was going to happen. Yeah. We yeah. project stuff onto people and we're like, you're going to make me this. And so anyways, the client, um, it didn't, it wasn't a good, it wasn't a good client, um, relationship and I had to fire them. And I've, I've fired a couple clients in my day, but you know, I've only had probably three clients in my career where I'm like, I don't know like how this happened, but I don't want this to happen again. So I'm so just very clear on the types of people I work with. And, 
Um, if someone puts me on a pedestal, I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know. Like it, for me, I'd rather send them somewhere else to do work on themselves first or into my, you know, transformational program, but they're not going to be in a different container with me. Cause it's like, it's tricky too. Like we've been there. Like you and I have come a long way in the last like five years of knowing each other. We've leveled up a lot and we, we've been in our own weird internal spaces where, you know, so it's like giving people grace, but also knowing who you let into your container is huge. So it was like client from hell, dad, um, health issues. And then someone, two people, actually my client and, um, the other person projecting on me in a very intense way. And I was like, this is why I needed to take three months off because it was mentally and energetically exhausting. And then I was like, okay, well, what went wrong with the client? Okay. I kind of knew before. Okay, cool, cool. That not going to happen again. What happened with this guy? I'm like, I didn't have boundaries with him. You know, when people give you advice and you didn't ask for it, it was like that. It was like that, but like condescending. And it was all the time, every time I bump into this person and I'm like, wow, I, next time someone gives me advice, I mean like, Hey, love you. You're so great. I don't take advice from people that I'm not paying or unless I ask for it. And so that's my go-to. If I'm not paying you as my mentor (laughs) or you didn't ask for permission and I said yes, or I'm not asking you, do not give me advice. And that's how you keep your container tight, at least for me energetically. (laughs) Well, I will not. I'll uh, get rid of those notes over there. (laughs) Well, that's... Um, yeah. Come on, you know what I mean? Because you can really impact someone in a negative way if you're projecting. Why do people give unsolicited advice? Well, sometimes we want to fix other people because that's something we actually don't want to look at within ourselves. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Projection, it's like, this is how I would feel. Mm. So you must be feeling this way right now. Mm. Or that's mm. what, like, I feel like you should do this. Yeah, yeah. Because this is my it, history. Because that'll make me feel more comfortable. Yeah. And that's the difference, I think, between like a really great coach and maybe not a great coach or mentor is someone who's going to like support you to get on the right path and is curious versus project on you. And also even like, you know, I, I used to have a certification program. I don't have one active right now, but a big part of it is like holding space for people to authentically have their own answer because like, there's so much projection. It's insane. And that's how you waste people's money and time is you project onto them and you don't have processes or tools to help them. And that's what's wrong with the coaching industry. How are you doing over there? You need some more hot water? Sure. Really? I'll, I'll go whip you some up because I have more questions. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Can I use the washroom quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, ask me a question and I'm going to, I'm too lazy to cut. Okay, so okay. I'm like, cause I really have to pee. Um, so the question that I have for you is what is something that irks you about the coaching industry? Um, or something that like, that has bubbled to the surface that you've learned and anything from our conversation that you want to share so far. Deal. Okay. Okay. You have have 43 seconds. (laughs) Well, I was, no, I'm going to talk to you as if you're here and you can hear me because it's not a big, uh, apartment. Deidre's in the washroom. But I was going to ask Dee about the coaching industry. And I think, um, no, I, it's kind of strange not talking to you when, when you're not here. 
But I think it comes with doing the reps though. Like I think it comes with, with doing the reps and, and putting in the time and we've all had good coaches. Some of us have had some, some bad coaches, but I, for like, I, for one, I, I, I have grown in ways over the last few years. I'm talking to the camera over here that would have taken me exponentially longer without having a coach. I was just saying that, um, I like, I'm generally very pro coaching. I love coaching. Oh yeah. But I, it's, I love it. It's so if I, if I was thinking as to some of the mistakes and things that irk, irk me these days, but I think, I think it comes with doing like putting the reps again. Like, I think so too. like I think, and, and doing, I think, I think the biggest thing is, is, is the, the coach has to have done the work. So I'm, yeah. and I like, you and I actually haven't sat down for at least a year, I believe. One to one. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and like, I, I can kind of feel, I think the last time we actually sat down one to one might've been last June or March or May Oh, we were before at the park, before the park? we did the, the, the speaker event. Um, mm-hmm. and, and maybe I'm just projecting, but maybe it was just me, but no, I think we've both grown in, in quite, quite a bit. So the point being, if, if I came across someone right now who is looking for a specific coaching program, I'm like, I'm like, give them the D right. Mm-hmm. Cause, cause, cause they're going to be in your sphere. They're going to be in your, your influence and where you have come and grown as a person and internally, mm-hmm. like you're going to do your best to, to teach this. But, but even me just sitting here beside you for an hour or whatever it's been mm-hmm. like, I can, I can, I can feel your groundedness. I can, I can sense your lack of judgment. I can, I can hear you holding or feel you holding space mm-hmm. as well. So it's just kind of being in, in your presence. And I think that's the thing that the best coaches have and develop. Mm-hmm. And again, you can, you can grow that over time on your own. You can get in a good program, whatever that may be to have that taught to you. But you know, having things like like holding space and 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 listening and and non-judgment those are very specific things and there's a list of a thousand other other things that come with being a a great coach but those mm-hmm. are very specific things that i think only the best programs hopefully touch on mm-hmm. i love that so much and you know one of the things that i really look at when i'm working with someone whether it's a coach or a mentor or really anyone it's like who are they? That's like, it. Who are they? How do they live their life? Like, there are some really amazing business coaches that are doing crazy, crazy numbers, but I look at them and they're overweight, they're burnt out, they're gray earlier than maybe they would have been. Um, and their relationships suffer. And for me, I'm like, that to me isn't success. Like, to success for me is about having it all like I we were talking about dreams earlier like I can't wait to have kids like I can't wait to have a family and do like fun family things the reason I started my coaching business like six years ago was because I'm like I want to be like a stay-at-home mom but also have a killer business that I run a couple days a week and cool opportunities and I can serve a lot of people but also like I want to have a family. And so when I think about success for me and like mentorship, it's people who have a going on in more than just one area. And I think that, you know, um, yeah, that's what I look for. And that's who I learn from. And I learn from people who have been through stuff like hard things. Um, You know, I really do believe that 
our trauma, when we heal our trauma or our wounds or our challenges, however you want to frame it, it's the access point to our greatest gifts for the work that we do, for humanity, for coaching, for whatever it is that we feel called to gift into the world. And like, I've been through a lot of shit that I don't talk about. And a lot of it I do talk about, like in my TEDx and and in other containers. Um, But I really respect people who have been through adversity and have come out on the other side and are stronger because I know those people can actually help me. The people who are just like, I know this. And it's like, have you been through what I'm going through? And if the answer is no, you're learning from a book, you're learning from, you're not embodied. And when we're not an embodiment of our work, it's very difficult to help people have lasting transformation. So I look for people who are the embodiment of it. Now, the the yeah. challenging thing with coaching and online coaching and, and following people and coaches on social media mm-hmm. and things like that, that you can't like they again, they only they only share a snippet. They only mm-hmm. share the highlight reel or whatever you share. Yeah. So you know, if I was someone following you and you actually share quite a bit, you share videos and, yeah. and they're all authentic naturally. Yeah. But I would think that if someone listened and watched to this for a full hour and they can hear your voice and hear how you answer questions and mm-hmm. feel the truth behind what you're what you're saying, they're going to be more inclined to know who you are. Right. Because it's so hard and that's like you can post and that's why I've said this before, like you can post and post and post and short videos and all that stuff. But still, until you sit down with someone and you can't sit down with everyone, but this is kind of the next best best thing. Mm -hmm. But do you find that same sort of thing? Like I I even feel like I know you a lot better than I ever have before, Mm -hmm. even when we've spoken in in the past. Mm -hmm. But just it's just from hearing the cadence of the voice and kind of the truth behind the voice Mm -hmm. and the you know, body expressions and mannerisms and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the question is, well, the, it, question? The, question, the question is, it's challenging if you're looking for a coach to really know who they are, unless you really somehow know who they are. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that is tricky about social media yeah. is it's not someone's popularity on social media isn't necessarily the um, equal of the value of their work. Um, for me and my containers, I had someone recently cause we're, we just did a enrollment for a big program and they're like, Oh, how come you haven't scaled this to like lots of people? Cause there could potentially be 50 to hundred people in that program every year. If I really wanted to push, I'm like, no, I love deep, small containers because I walk alongside people and I really value relationship and deep transformation. So for me, my values as a coach in different ways, depending on like the container, I like to go deep with people. So people who actually know me know that. Mm -hmm. And that's why I feel really good about my work. And when I work with people in certain containers, but, um, online it's limiting. Like if I was and and this is potentially something I could work on. I could spend, it's actually something that I want to work on more is like, how can I share more on social? Usually when I post on social, it's a snippet of a talk because I've been traveling for like five months, almost every week speaking on a stage. Mm-hmm. That's where people get to know me too, because I share stories and I'm like this, but maybe I'm, I'm wearing a sparkly dress or something. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you don't know until you know, but I think the best way to find support is to be like, Oh, I feel energetically drawn to that person. 
not based on, it's like, what do you want from a person? Is it is it status? Is it success? Is it financial? Is it the whole package? Like I believe in the whole package and that's what I look for in mentors. And also people who are in healthy relationships. Mm. I'm like, if you're in a healthy relationship mm. and you're an entrepreneur and you're killing it and you're fit and you have kids and you're happy and healthy and you have vacations and time for yourself in space, then fuck yes. Cause that's where I'm going. You know what I'm saying? So you don't look for the people on social media that say, Never settle, never settle, never settle. And they've never been in a relationship. Well, that was me. That was me for a while. So that's <laughs> me, me too. Me? <laughs> I was talking about myself and you and uh, about seven other people. Okay. So let's talk about the never settle. So I was single on purpose for most of four years after my last relationship. I had some trauma I had to heal mm-hmm. in my you heart. You go, girl. You to- let it out. <laughs> I had to heal. Okay. Um, and before that, I was like married. I was with someone for eight years, mentally, emotionally abusive relationship. I had some healing to do. And I would say, never settle, never settle. And I actually do still believe that, but not from a harsh place, not from a place of like, I'm too good and no one gets access to me. Like not from that place, because I think that's kind of a wounded place. And I think that, you know, I've had moments being single and I don't know if I've ever admitted this. I mean, I've probably admitted it to myself. Just assume nobody's listening. No one's listening. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm sharing this. I don't care. But like this last year, I was like, oh, like I want a partner. Like I want partnership. And it was the first time where I was actually like, oh, like, oh, it's kind of sad. Like I'm not, I'm not in partnership. And I love my life. I love my business. I love everything I do. I'm very happy and fulfilled. So it's not like I'm, I was seeking a relationship to fill something. Um, or get validation. It's like, I just really want to share life and I want to have kids. And so that was a big vulnerable moment for me this last year. And then things shifted for me. And I was like, okay, I need to be open to people who aren't coaches. I need to be open to... Please. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and uh, and it just really shifted things for me. I forget what I was saying, but I think um, the purpose of it was... Never settling. Yeah. Not settling. And I think that settling to me is more of a feeling like if someone when i think about my very good right? thank you very yeah. good <laughs> seriously well because i'm like because i'm like you actually to an extent you have to you do have to settle you have to settle you have to settle because you can't always be looking for something better but settling could just be like settling in a location and settling as in i'm going to stay here it doesn't mean settling as this isn't good enough you don't settle for what you don't want to feel yeah we all we all got a feeling we're after but you can you you know it's not up to the person you're settling with to always generate that feeling for you you're gonna have to do some work and open up and and cultivate that on our on our own but it's eventually for the guys out there at least like i can only speak to them because that's me and my experience like you have to stop looking all over the place at a certain point you got to focus and start pouring some love in yeah and i feel like with men and i okay i'm gonna speak for men on uh, as a woman seeing what i observe with men because i coach a lot of men and i do help people with relationships so i do feel qualified to say this (laughs) we'll see continue um what i see a lot with men who are constantly going from one thing to the next it can be a way of avoiding intimacy 
and um, fear, fear of rejection actually can be a big theme. And also with women too, but I, I see it in men really quickly um, who are all over like next, 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 date, 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 distraction from emotions, distraction from intimacy. And it's like, if I really let someone see into me, will I be enough? And it's scary. It's a scary world out there, especially for men who have to like, you know, and I, I say quotation marks because it's not actually true. Women don't need this. But like a lot of men have a lot of pressure to be like really good looking and make a lot of money, right? And have it all together all the time. And so as a man, that's scary. If a woman starts to get close to your heart or like towards your truth or an insecurity, would you want to run and flee potentially unless you've had some self-awareness and some grounding and you've done some work on yourself? And like for me, I, you know, I wasn't ready for a relationship for the last four years. I wasn't because I had my own stuff that I had to work through, you know? Um, but yeah, it's so interesting how like relationships are such a mirror for our ability to be with ourselves mm -hmm. and accept ourselves. So going back to the topic of settling, mm -hmm. um, keep talking. Yeah. Settling. I used to think that I used to think that settling was like, um, you know, making sure that, yeah, I think settling, I used it in a way of like, I settled in relationship for men who didn't really honor and respect me. Like I remember a good friend of mine, David was like, you need a man who's going to honor respect and cherish you. And I remember being like, huh? Like this is like five, six years ago when mm -hmm. I was not in a great relationship. And I was like, what? It didn't make sense. Right. Cause I was in a really fun relationship. Right. And I was like, oh, that doesn't make sense. And now it's like, no, like that's a foundation. Like if someone doesn't like respect, honor and cherish me, then it's not going to work. And so my, the way I see a relationship is different. And what I was attracted to before were men that were didn't treat me well because I didn't fully value myself and I had some, you know, traumas that I had to heal. And now I'm like, I'm an open heart and I have met some really incredible people and it's nice. just totally different. Nice. But it's like, yeah, it's interesting. Hey? I think, I think, uh, I think, uh, and we'll wrap her up pretty quick here. Yeah. I'm going at I feel like we could talk for like five hours. Well, hey, you know, <laughs> talk is cheap. No, no, no. Have to have you back on the show. I'd love to come back. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think, <laughs> and you said the word a couple times, and I kind of, at least I know it in myself over the last, mm. especially sort of six months and, and year and a bit. And I'm not sure if it's the same for you, but it is that sense of self worth and that sense mm. of value. Yeah. Because once sure. you kind of step more fully in into that, and you start bleeding your energy all over the place, or trying to prove different things, or trying to get this. Um, validation from from different areas again yeah mm -hmm. you're just leaking your energy all over the place yeah. but you don't have that groundedness and and truth of of who you are so mm -hmm. if you can sit and dance a little bit more firmly in that and then you know never perhaps never settle who someone doesn't see you in with that same sort of value yeah it's the someone who sees you and honors you for who you really are like if you have to change who you are to be enough for someone and i mean change like foundational who you are not like a behavior that's unhealthy or toxic, then move on because that's like, that's self-betrayal essentially. And yeah, and when we don't feel enough, 
well, if I just change this about myself or I'm if more I this. If I just make this much money or, or I launch this and I have this many followers or I drive this car yeah. for the guys, right? And it's just bullshit. It's yeah, but it's hard for the guys, right? Yeah. It's hard for the guys, right? Because yeah. we, we have these stories and we compare and we want to be all this and we think we need to be all that. But mm-hmm. I can't speak for the women, but I know there's some of them perhaps that are into that, but I would mm-hmm. say the majority of them don't give a shit. They just kind of want to connect with you and who you are and they... Would, would, would it be fair to say that the women want to connect with a man who fully values himself and is kind of solid with who he is? Oh, for sure. That like who knows who he is, knows yeah. his values, know, knows what he wants, goes after it, and is courageous. Because oh. like a lot of men, I mean, my experience, I'll own it. My experience is a lot of men play it safe when they're interested mm. in someone or they want to go after someone. And then the woman's like, oh, okay. Like they don't take them seriously. And I think that a man who can like wear his heart on his sleeve and be like, I'm interested in you. I want to pursue you. And like is vulnerable. Like that's really attractive. And I don't, I think a lot of men and women, but men play it safe to protect their ego when it's like, if you just go all in with one person. And I hear this too with men. A lot of men that I've talked to are like, oh, like I'm dating a lot of women who are great, but they're not, it's not really the woman that I want to go for. Well, just go for the woman that you want. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can get the quick hits and the external gratification or you can level up, you know? And uh, I don't mean that in a diminishing way. I mean, go after what you want, be courageous and don't hold back. And I think that's probably the best piece of advice I can give men. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything we haven't? There's a couple. Th- there's a lot of things we haven't touched we on. We can talk but, for days. Uh, anything? Anything? How, how can people find you and, and mm-hmm. keep in touch with you and follow you on social media? Yeah. And where are you doing any speaking coming up soon or any programs? Yeah. Tell us, tell us where we can get more of the lots, lots of things yeah, happening. Yeah. Um. So I'm on Instagram. It's just I am Deidre Suriani. Just my name. And my company is called Radically Aligned. We have a mastermind, a business accelerator for people who are impact-driven entrepreneurs, visionaries, change makers who want to be seen, get on stages and get their message out there, um, get, you know, have courses and things that support their mission and values so that they can have it all. And uh, yeah, and I have some transformational programs. I'm going to be launching some events in Vancouver. It's been a while uh, this spring and in the fall, and they're going to be really powerful. So if you follow me on social media, if you got value from our hilarious conversation. Mm-hmm. It was all over the place. So fun. Uh, just reach out. I'd love to like get to know whoever watched this, if you resonated and I have a book, it's called turn your light on. It's like a stepping stone into my work. And yeah, those are the main things. Like, and there's a TEDx out there. And there's well. a TEDx out there, um, on unhealed trauma. This is like before trauma was like super, super like popular. Yeah. Yeah. I think mine was like one of the, one of the like only ones on, on, uh, uh, TEDx with trauma. So that was kind of cool. But uh, yeah, so that's a vulnerable share. I just, I'm excited to get to know community and, and tune in. So feel free to reach out. I'm I'm excited. I had a little bit of a goosebump and, and, uh, future flash, like five, 10 years. So I'm a, like when we're having another one of these conversations. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm excited for you and what what you're going to do and you know, what, what the scene, what the background may be a little bit different, like on, on that sort of show. Oh, I can see that too. Yeah. Like, 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 yeah. What, 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 wow. Right. We're going to have our own shows for sure. It's just a matter of days, my friend. (laughs) 
Well, I already do. So on that note. Yes, yes, I love it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Come back anytime. Well, if you've gotten this far, I trust you enjoyed the show. I appreciate any five-star reviews, likes, shares, or comments on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you know of just one other person who you think would also enjoy this episode, consider sending it directly to them. I appreciate you. See you next time.